you're listening to Crud Talk, a ministry of Fifty Shades of Grace. Everybody's got a story. I'm guessing like me, you've been hurt before. But what if I told you there was more to this life than being stuck in the hurt and sin of your past? Hey, we all have crud, but it's how we deal with it that makes all the difference. Today's episode is brought to you by a generous sponsor just like you. We thank you for your gift, which allows us to share hope and continue to help people deal with the crud in their lives. So thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Sonia Bruner with Crud Talk. Thanks for joining me today. So I posted a random question like, ask me questions. You know how you can do that on social media platforms? Ask me questions. And boy, did I ever get a bunch of questions. So I appreciate all of you that tuned in for that and just for the comments. So thank you very much. I am on vacation brain, had a wonderful time with Rick's family and just, I am completely still on the lake. Can I get an amen? Yeah, it was wonderful. Okay, so let's start with our questions. Um, what is your favorite book in the Bible? Hands down, Romans, specifically Romans chapter eight. It's loaded with goodies. I mean, like for real. Verse 15 is a good one. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. That word adopted is so precious to me because I never felt loved. I needed to matter to someone and to be chosen and accepted and loved. And that's exactly what God did for me. I love that one. Okay, the next one. How long have you been married and what is your favorite thing about being married? Ooh, good one. Almost 30 years. It'll be 30 years for Rick and I in in October. Having a partner, I guess, is probably my favorite thing. Having a partner, having a having a person, having my own person, knowing there's someone who's there for you. Laughing a lot. <laughs> That's probably my favorite part. We laugh a lot. He makes me laugh so hard, my belly hurts. <laughs> Next question. What, oh, why did I, what is one of your most embarrassing moments in ministry? <clears throat> okay. Y'all, this is a good one. <sighs> I can't believe I'm going to share this. Okay, so um, I sing for a lot of weddings. You know, I lead worship and I play piano and I write and I, I write songs. I do all kinds of stuff, record, produce, whatever. And people will book me to do weddings or to do parties or whatever. And so I was doing a wedding one time with my dear, um, dear pastor friend, Dr. Tony Lambert, and he was officiating the wedding and I was the singer. And so we were at a Friday night rehearsal. You know how you do the rehearsal before. And so I get up there to do my song for the couple and we're having technical difficulties with the sound. And so I'm standing there waiting and I'm telling you, you could cut the tension with a knife between the two sides, right? There's the bride's side and the groom side and it was not a happy place. There was definite tension going on. And I don't know about y'all, but when I'm uncomfortable or I'm in a weird situation, I make jokes or I make fun of myself or whatever. 
And so the sound guy could not get the track to run. It could not do whatever he was needing to do. And I was standing there. And so I just busted out in song, having my baby. I'm a woman in love. And okay, you know the song. <laughs> All of a sudden, the bride and the groom look at each other and their their faces turn bright white, like white. And the families were like totally like freaking out, looking across the aisle at each other. And all of a sudden it occurred to me, oh my goodness, I bet she's pregnant. Oh my goodness. You guys, it was the worst ever. Number one, never would I make fun of somebody for anything. I mean, you can't out-sin Sonia, right? Nobody can out-sin me. So I would never judge or condemn like somebody else, right? I was mortified. But the sweetest thing happened that God did. The bride and the groom looked at each other in total like shock and then burst out laughing. So hard they were laughing that there were tears coming out of their eyes. And then the audience started to laugh. Everybody was laughing. And I remember Pastor Tony just leaned over on his knees. Literally, he could not catch his breath. He was laughing so hard. That was the funniest thing ever. And it just cut the tension. I, however, will never make a joke about that again. <laughs> it was so bad. Are you, y'all, it was so bad. Oh my gosh. So that probably was one of my most embarrassing moments in ministry. I mean, flat out. Talk about put foot in your mouth. Okay. What is your favorite movie? Oh, hands down, Lord of the Rings trilogy. All day, every day. I won't even tell you how many times I've watched that. I won't even talk about it. Okay. Um, oh, okay. This is a good one. What's the hardest thing about ministry? People. <laughs> People are the hardest part. Um, certainly sharing my story, right? The memories that it conjures up. I, I Having to relive that in my mind. That's, that's really hard. But seriously, people that's the hardest part um the other thing that comes to my mind i would say is man's approval and what i mean is i want people to like me right i struggle wanting to be needing to be loved and never feeling like i am a lot of that comes from my past right but not all of it i think most of us would want others to like us or to value us i want people to listen to the podcast or watch a video or come hear me speak or whatever but at the end of the day, not everyone will. What can be difficult is looking at the numbers, being numbers focused. I mean, we learn really early on to look at success by how large the numbers are, how much money we make, how many people come to an event, how many touchdowns did we make, how many likes do we get on social media? You know, you know what I mean? But when you follow Jesus, his approval is what's supposed to matter. But laying down that need or that drive that we have to have to have man's approval is really difficult. Feeling like you've let others down is hard as well. And when you can't do it all or even believing that you should do it all and then people voice that complaint at your performance and all that is is really their disappointment because their expectations of you weren't met. And most of the time, you didn't even know they had those expectations in the first place. And then all of a sudden, they're mad at you or whatever. It can get messy. And it also can be, you know, really hurtful. Um, let me give you an example. I'll meet with people one-on-one -on -one to talk through their crud issues, 
give biblical counsel, whatever. And for the most part, friends and people in the church have had direct access to me. Most of these years, they've had that. And I'm talking about my time. As my ministry grew, I got more and more messages, more calls, requests to meet, that kind of thing. And that's awesome. But what happened was I was doing ministry all the time. There wasn't any room for other things. People knew that I was called to help people. So they would call me for help. It was fast, it was easy, and it was free. <laughs> They'd want me to meet with them. And I'd, I'd feel obligated to do it because helping people is a good thing and God wants us to use our gifts for him. But I'm talking a lot of people, emergency appointments. I was getting overwhelmed with calls and messages and meetings. I couldn't sustain that level and I couldn't keep up with it anymore. I felt horrible, like I was failing and not being, even, even to the point where I felt like I wasn't being faithful. I had it tied to my level of faith. Some very wise, I mean, truly godly people came to me and explained that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing and then counseled me, girl, you gotta set some realistic boundaries. I knew immediately that what they were saying was the truth. You know how that just resonates in your heart? The Holy Spirit does that? So that's what I did. Because everyone was used to having access to me and how and when they wanted it, hey, let's call Sonia, she'll help us. They didn't like it when I told them no. I'd say, I'm sorry, I can't do that today. I can do something later this week or maybe next week. You would have thought that I murdered someone. Even some of my, what I would, probably what I would have considered really close friends couldn't handle it. In fact, I had someone say, you always help everyone else, but when I call, you aren't available. I'm telling you what, that hurt me bad. And I had spent the most time with that person of anyone, listening, helping, cheerleading. And then the first time I say no, because I really couldn't do it at the time that they needed me, they freaked out on me and got mad. They questioned my spiritual maturity. They said that I got too big for my britches and I was too big. Let me just, <laughs> let me just stop here. I was too big for my britches for sure because I was eating too many Funyuns. <laughs> no, because I was stressed out because I hadn't set any realistic boundaries and everyone was calling me, expecting me to drop everything and meet them. Hence, my britches were not fitting me. <laughs> you know what I mean? You hear what I'm saying? Okay, enough. But you get what I'm saying, right? I learned a huge lesson through that. Not everyone will like what you do. And when you set boundaries for yourself, those closest to you might reject you for it. There will probably be pushback because of it. That's okay. And this is key, right? Right here. You and I need to be okay with that. Why do I say that? If God tells you to do it, you do it and trust him for the results. Okay, that's enough on that. Okay, um, I'm struggling with loneliness and I don't have any friends. Every time I make friends with someone, they move or they end up getting closer to someone else. I feel like something's wrong with me. I think I'm nice and everything. I just don't understand why I can't make long lasting uh, friendships. What can I do? Hmm, I, well, I do have some, I have some thoughts on that. I, I think a lot of people struggle with this, lots of people. So understand that if you are struggling with this, you aren't alone. 
do you have i guess my first thing would be do you have crud that you haven't dealt with if you do then you are not free to be who jesus meant you to be that has to be dealt with so you are your true self number two i ask jesus for relationships that will make a difference in my life that will put like pull me closer to jesus and strengthen and encourage me to do my best do that if you haven't done it yet and number three this is really key you have to be the kind of friend that you have that you want to have let me say it again you have to be the kind of friend that you want to have be positive encouraging fun not negative supportive silly kind attentive but respectful of space someone who doesn't love me enough to respect that I have a ton of things going on and gets on to me because I can't stop what I'm doing and go shopping every day is not someone that I'm going to be able to be close to it's the friends that know I'll be there when they need me and they're there when I need them and we are there for each other that's the relationships that I've had for years with a few people number four I would say if you're struggling to build true long-lasting friendships be selective you don't need a ton of friends i hear from a bunch of people who have lots of friends lots of people they know but no one that is close to them no one that they trust no one that knows the real person they are and loves them anyway what i like to say is you need one good friend you've already got the best one right because jesus so one or two more who are healthy and point you to Jesus will make all the difference. Number five, grace is needed in friendships. People sin. We are people, so we need grace and we need to give grace too. I had to cough. <laughs> Let's see, uh, this one. I have someone in my life who is toxic. How do, you, how do you know when it's time to cut ties with them and what do you say? Okay, really good question. God allows people to come into our lives for a reason. Some people are blessings, some are not. <laughs> you know what, everyone's like, yeah, can I get an amen? There are boundaries that Jesus gives us about unhealthy relationships. Here's, here's a good one, James 3.16. For when, when, where envy and selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and every kind of evil. That's important. Do they point you to Jesus? Or is there always strife or confusion? Do you feel encouraged, edified, and empowered? Or is there always a situation, jealousy, or like you're always getting into fights? In other words, does this person suck you dry? In James 1.8, it talks about being unstable in all his ways. If you're in a relationship that is negative, manipulative, or you feel like you have to compromise your beliefs or bench your interests or you feel like you can't be yourself, I say cut the apron strings. It's time to go. Um, I would say be honest with God. Ask him about the relationships in your life and to reveal anything that is not pleasing to God. Trust him because he'll do it. And then the other thing too is be honest with the person. Grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, grace and truth, right? Communicate, say how you feel and tell them that you can't be in the relationship anymore. Don't try to be God to them. Let God be God. You do you. I think that's probably all I have to say about that. Let's see. <clears throat> my, 
husband left oh this is a hard one you guys my husband left me after 14 years of marriage i feel hurt i'm angry and i feel worthless you've been hurt too how do you forgive the people that hurt you um i suppose the spiritual sugar-coated answer is because jesus says to do it and here's the thing y'all my heart hurts for her and everyone else that's in that situation the betrayal she's feeling the depth of sorrow that her dream is dead i think a lot of us can relate to that when we have a loss the idea that she probably feels unwanted unloved and not not worth fighting for excruciating pain we're talking about all i can say is in my life i have found that jesus is more than enough to handle my struggles to forgive someone i I hear from a lot of people every day that are hurting. Doesn't matter how they find themselves in this painful place, all they know is that they hurt. How we deal with that hurt makes all the difference. For me, I talked. I felt like my heart was a boat that was filling up with water faster than I could scoop it out. So by opening up and talking to someone about it, it emptied the boat quicker. Jesus is the only one that knows all of it no filters no let's be careful of the audience who's listening and the only one who can heal me he can take it in fact he wants to take it throughout the years i've cried out to him about the hard stuff the painful painful stuff there's been times that i couldn't say the words out loud but i could see them vividly in my mind as i screamed and cried to the lord he got it he understood he always does and i was always enough and worth his time so are you for everybody listening yeah have you ever been so mad so hurt or jealous maybe betrayed or violated that all you could do was scream and cry how did you feel afterwards drained at peace i would feel cleansed there was no longer room for anything but deep cleansing peaceful breaths as feelings would rise up i'd cry out again I kept doing that until there was no scream left in me. I'm telling you, that is what Jesus used to get the hurt out of me. Not the sweet religious words or anecdotes, but the true, real words I was feeling. Like the gut-wrenching questions of how could you let this happen? How could you do this to me? You know, I'm talking the hard stuff. I'm sure there are those who would say that the Lord deserves our reverence, not harsh, angry words. I agree that he does deserve a reverence but here's the thing if you can't tell jesus your garbage who can you tell he knows it all anyway don't believe me look at david he was the biggest whiner in the bible in the book of psalms david has done so many things that went against god and yet he whines as though he has a right to why won't you listen to me why won't you rescue me how long do i have to suffer I mean, give me a break. The boy is a whiner. And God said that David was a man after God's own heart. It takes trust to tell the truth about the hard stuff. Trusting Jesus with the hard stuff, trusting that he won't leave you, forsake you, or hurt you because of how you feel or what you say to him. Trusting him with your heart is the deepest intimacy there is. When I couldn't cry and scream any longer, my heart was silent. Then 
Jesus began to speak life into my soul through his word and through his spirit. I've learned that to forgive someone means that you look at the hurt and the pain that someone has caused you and then you release them from the debt that you think they owe you. You can't skip looking at the hurt part. Most people want to skip over that because they don't want to relive it. But that is a huge part of forgiveness. It's that hurt that has given you your pain. You have to look at it. Deal with it before you can move on. It stinks. It's so hard. And it hurts to do with that. It hurts to do it, right? It hurts to do that. How do I forgive? Through time spent in the presence of Jesus. However long it takes. (laughs) Crying out to Jesus and allowing him to clean out the crud so that he can reveal to me the courage to forgive. And then in faith, I trust him enough to choose to forgive and I release that person from the debt that I think they owe me. It's all about Jesus because of him and through him. So grab a pillow and scream, cry, holler, go out and get in your car and yell, do whatever you have to do. That's called working on your crud. You have to get the crud out for the healing to begin. If you need to talk to someone, do it. God has created resources. That's all. I mean, there's all kinds of help people in therapists and counselors, pastors, and even people like me who have been through things that can give biblical wisdom and counsel. Do it, do what it, do what it takes to deal with your crud. Um, my next question, my husband and I never date anymore. We're always with our kids. Do you have any advice to couples that don't have a lot of time or money to date, but need that? Ooh, my goodness, what a good question. My, advo- my advice is plain and simple. Always has been, always will be. Do it, you must do it. Spending one-on-one time with your spouse is not a luxury. If we have time, we might. You gotta make time. When we first get married, most of us spend all our time together. Then kids enter the picture and we get busy, overwhelmed, and tired. I remember those days. Oh my goodness, you were so tired. You must connect with each other emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Some of you forget that you were a person before you had kids. It's like these creatures come into our lives and we forget everything that came before, how we fell in love, why we even married in the first place. You are more than just parents. Those of you that are married and have kids, you are more than just parents. You you are human beings with dreams, right? Ideas, opinions, and crud. Invest in that relationship with your spouse. It makes a huge difference. Your kids need to see that your marriage is important to both of you. I love it. Dr. James Dobson says that having a good marriage is the best gift you can give to your children. I love that. I think it's so true. The kids will leave someday. They will, right? Somebody make sure, call me and tell me or text me and tell me that they will leave the nest, right? No, I'm teasing. The kids will leave someday and it'll be just the two of you. Both of you need that time together, period. And also one more thing, money is tight for everybody these days, but don't use that as an excuse. Be creative, use your dollars to pay a babysitter. And if that's all the money you got, then go for a a long pretty walk or maybe do a picnic or something like that. If you have limited dollars, use it for a sitter instead of a fancy meal out. Time together is the important part. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Well those were great ones. Thanks for joining me for sure. 
I'm going to finish with this. This is my favorite, one of my all-time favorite verses. I'm convinced, Romans 8, 38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Verse 39, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Powerful. I'm part of the living creation. You're part of living creation. With all the stuff we do that's messed up, you and I cannot do anything that would separate us and end the love of God for us. Love that. Ooh, this is Sonia Bruner. Thanks for joining me. I'll see you next time.